It's the Breakers, Breakers, the PopBreak.com. Breakers, Breakers, listen to the show, because you're in for the PopBreak.com. Breakers, Breakers, oh Hi, my name is Marissa Carpico. I am the new film editor at thepopbreak.com. I'm here with Michelle Karachi. Say hello, Michelle. Hey, guys. Hi. Um, and we are here to talk about Ocean's 8. Um, so as the uh, new film editor, I want to try to uh, recreate a little bit of what was going on in the movie and, and get an all-female cast together. S- sadly, Michelle was the only girl to uh, s- decide to record with me, but I am glad she is here. Um, still an all-female cast. <laughs> yes, yeah, still an all-female cast, albeit a small one. I, you, so, some people just don't have the budget. We, we don't have the budget. You know what I'm saying? Um, all right. So um, we both saw uh, Ocean's 8 this weekend, and it is doing very well in theaters. Um, it beat its expected um, box office take for the for the Friday uh, and Thursday showings, and it's on track to do very well this weekend. Better than anyone expected. I hope that means there will be an Ocean's Nine, but we can talk about that later. Um, so tell me a little bit about what you thought, Michelle. So I really enjoyed it, and uh, I definitely went into seeing the movie because the cast is so stacked. Uh, that was definitely my main reason for wanting to go see it. Um, like a, a heist movie with uh, eight very strong leading women was very appealing to me. Um, and I was not let down. I was I was very pleased with the pacing of the movie, um, the acting from the characters, uh, everything. I just, I very much enjoyed it. More than I would say I expected to enjoy it. So yeah. I was very pleased. What did you, how, what was your experience with the, the franchise? You've seen the Ocean's Eleven at least, I assume? So I actually, I hope this isn't too mind-blowing, but I haven't seen any of the previous Ocean's movies. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's um, that's not. We're, we are. I'm open to all peoples, so that is totally fine. Um, yeah, there's there's just to give everyone background in case they don't know. There is a 1960s version with the Rat Pack with um, that takes place in Vegas. Uh, I haven't seen that one. the The remake of that is the 2001 Steven Soderbergh film with uh, George Clooney and Matt Damon and Brad Pitt and Julia Roberts, which is I, I watched probably ten thousand times as a kid. Um, and then 12, I, I know I've seen on TV, but I couldn't tell you anything about it. And then 13, couldn't even tell you who's in it, basically. Um, but I will say, I think, I don't know which one it is, but there is one where Julia Roberts plays Julia Roberts in the movie and also her character Tess, which is, I'm going to, we're going to come back to that at some point. Okay. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I, I also enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was very fun. I mean, I have, there's a review on the website um, but, that I wrote on Thursday night after, right after seeing it, um, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, I think it's very different from the it's, – it's actually – it's very different in the – than the 2001 version visually, I would say. The, that's – I mean, it's Soderbergh, so there's – he loves to do this thing where he'll, like, segment the frame in a bunch of ways so that there's, like – at least two people like two views going on at once or it's very stylish um right and there's not a lot of that here with gary ross which i don't think is necessarily a bad thing but this is such a 
I mean, I think for me, the thing that is so interesting about this film, and I'm curious to way, to fe- hear if you feel the same way, is that it's so glamorous. Yeah, I, I get that a lot. There's a lot of stylized shots, and um, even the setting, everything felt very, like, uh, posh and chic. And, uh, but I also loved it because it had um, an edginess to it, so it wasn't all, like, um, glitter and glam, like, as you would expect it to be because it's a an all-women heist yeah. What do you mean by edge, though? I'm, I'm interested in what you mean. So, uh, one of the things that I loved is that, um, and if we're going into the movie now, yeah. their, the, um, their, like, headquarters, their main base was uh, very, it was in sort of a rough part of town, and the the building that they were in was kind of, like, run down, and um, it just didn't, like, it felt sort of, uh, like, warehouse-ish, mm. and... It was it was nice that they weren't like in some big New York hotel or uh, some sort of getaway that looked very like elegant and regal. Like it very it felt very um down to the grind. Sure. I don't know if that really makes sense. No, I think I think that's totally true. I get and now that you are saying it, I probably should summarize what the movie's about. Um, but yeah, no, I think you're totally right on that. Um, but basically, to go back to to comparing it to 2000, the 2001 version and this one. So um, Sandra Bullock plays Debbie Ocean, who is the sister of Danny Ocean, who is the the guy who put the the um, heist together in, 2000, in the Ocean's Eleven, um, played by George Clooney, who is allegedly dead. I wouldn't be surprised if that character showed up in Ocean's Ten. Um, but uh, so she gets out of prison after being betrayed by a former lover slash also grifter played by Richard Armitage, uh, whose name is Claude, um, which I'm sure, you know, orally is supposed to be a indication that he's a he's a dirtbag. Um, and she gathers together Lou, uh, who's played by Kate Blanchett um, and Rihanna, who is a hacker, um, Mindy Kaling as a. Uh, jewelry expert, I suppose, uh, is the best way to describe it. Um, who else am I missing here? Oh, Helena Bottom Carter as a as a designer who they recruit to design a dress for Anne Hathaway's character um, in the who's an actress um, who's going to the Met Gala, and uh, I know oh Aquafina as a um, just a sleight of hand artist essentially. She's she's a, a, a petty thief, if you will. Um, I think that's everyone. Did I miss There was also um, Sarah Paulson. Oh, Jesus. How could I forget? <laughs> um, yeah, as, as the fence, a, a housewife uh, who has become a housewife and, and also is still a fence on the side. Fence being um, someone who uh, sells the things that people steal to the buyers. Um, yeah, and that's everyone. Um, but yes, after they, they get together, they're in basically what seems like some sort of warehouse in, in Brooklyn or something. Um, yeah. Uh, so let's see what else. Uh, who is your? I mean, I I liked every all of the performances, and I think all of those women are very good. I would have liked more Rihanna, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but I, I yeah, I would always like more Rihanna. Um, th- that's personal <laughs> as well as anything else. Um, because I will say I I saw Battleship years ago, and she's she's pretty good. Um, <laughs> but uh, what else? I think. My favorite performance in it, and I'm interested to see if you agree, is is Anne Hathaway, who is so bitchy in this, like in a wonderful, like sociopathic way, where she's she's like the er version of the um, like self obsessed actress. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
definitely. I, I very much agree with that because she's playing this like um, socialite actress who's very uh, excited and loves being in front of a camera, uh, and she plays it so well. And I I was blown away by her performance. Is she who's your favorite uh, of of the cast? So I I I really lean towards. Um, they all did so well, and they all had very different personalities, so it's kind of hard. But I, I love Helena Bonham Carter as mm. Rose. Um, I love the quirkiness. It was just a little different than all the other characters and what they played as. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not, uh, because I, I had never seen Battleship. It was really it's awesome. It's okay. To... No, no, no one did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was really awesome to see Rihanna, like, acting and uh, being in a role. And her, her uh, role was very um, awesome and like very a very cool role to be in so yeah it definitely feels like oh of course Rihanna would be like the mysterious hacker who like is a little removed from the other girls you know what I mean yeah um and just based on like you know all the interviews they've been doing it does seem that she's like just so interestingly mysterious to all of them do you you know what I'm saying Yeah, yeah uh um, but yeah, she's she's very good in Battleship. Is not good. Don't see it. Um, she's she's decent in. She was in that movie Valerian that came out last year as well, um, as a shape shifting lounge singer. Which again, you know, could you find a better casting? Um, named Bubble, which was a, also a very good performance. Um, but yeah, I found everyone very interesting. Like, and I think one of the things that I. I thought was sort of fascinating about the cast's chemistry is that there's really no love interests here. I mean, there's the closest thing would be Richard Armitage, but he is, he's in a way the mark and, um, and also like his flirting with, with Anne Hathaway's character is, is he's clearly a douche, you know, Right. you're never rooting for him. And, and really there's almost no other like, male men in it in general um but what i found fascinating was like the chemistry between the class the 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 cast is so like subtly flirty in a way like the way i said in the review is that when um sandra bullock's character debbie and lou are are recruiting the girls it often feels like seduction do you know what i'm saying yeah yeah i agree with that yeah. Did you feel that too, or am I projecting? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I, I can definitely see that. I was going to say that um, although there was no strong like love relationship, mm. there was definitely a strong connection between um, Sandra Bullock's character and Kate uh, Blanchett's character. Mm. It, like, it felt like they had something that was deeper than like just a friendship. Um, but I don't know if it was so much like a sisterhood. It felt like it was flirty. It was, but it was like, it was very real. Like, it felt... Like you could feel the connection that those two characters had. Yeah, I always think of um, there's a movie that came out a couple of years ago. It is oh god, it's about these two girlfriends who who start a um, uh, like a phone sex business. Oh, for a good time, call. Um, and there's a there's something about that film where it's it captures this this great sense of like when female friendships are so close and so intense that it almost feels like romance. Um, and I feel like that was like all over this film in a way, even yeah. though all of the women know each other to different degrees. And and you're right. I think Debbie and Lou, there's something else going on there. Not not to imply romance necessarily, but there's a level of intimacy there that like that feels what would usually be like a romance in a film. Yeah, I got that. Yeah. Were you pleased as I was to 
to sort of not see a romance pop up? Because when I saw the trailers, I, th- I assumed Richard Armitage being so handsome that mm-hmm. he would be, he would complicate the story in that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm always happy to see movies, which I, I feel it's the more recent movies that are coming out, don't feel the need to put a romantic love interest in the movies. Mm-hmm. Or more so, like they did with this movie, there was a prior love interest, mm-hmm. and that's like a cause of conflict for this movie. And it's very much more interesting to watch that versus like the love interest itself. Right. So I love that this is the direction that like most like a lot of movies are moving in this direction and I can appreciate that. Yeah. So did you go see the movie like alone or with friends or did you make a, an event of it? Cause I saw, I went alone on a, I had a very busy work week. So everybody I knew had sort of like, I, had, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to go on Thursday. So I had to sort of cancel all the plans that I was going to make with other people to go. And I, I, it was really fascinating when I got there. It was just like, it just, it did seem like mostly like groups of women on like, a friendship night out. Do you know what I mean? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I totally, I get it. And I could see this being the kind of movie that, that women would sort of walk to as like in groups of friends. Um, I just, I went with uh, my boyfriend oh. and we, um, we went, respect, and it, I want to say it was like mixed, like not a lot of, obviously not a lot of young, um, not a lot of young people there, but oh really? Yeah, there was there was a lot of I would say it would be between like mid twenties to like early fifties hmm. was the range that I was seeing in the theater. Hmm. Uh, but it was packed and it was great. And my boyfriend had seen all the Ocean's movies, so oh. he gave me a little bit of a high level background before I went to see this, so that I wouldn't be completely lost. Yeah, but I do have to say that I was I was pleased having had never seen any of the prior movies. It was so easy for me to follow along and pick up on, um, pick up on the fact that uh, Debbie Ocean was the sister of, um, I'm sorry, what's his name? Danny. Danny Ocean. Yeah. And like that, he was no longer with us, and uh, it was just very easy to follow along. Yeah. For someone who had never seen any of the prior movies. No, that makes sense. It does seem very accessible to like. I mean, I think that's. I'm sure that's part of their goal is to like. This is familiar to the thing you like very much but also its own thing which and i'm glad it's its own thing it's very it's very it still feels like it's part of the brand but it still is it's a very different um just a different feel like the other one is very smart and i think this one is very smart too but there's there's other things going on that i, I maybe are based on gender but maybe aren't i would i hesitate to say that but i i don't know i also don't want to exclude it do you know what i mean yeah um like there's a I think I might have mentioned it in the review or I deleted it out at the last second, but there's a, the first one, Ocean's Eleven, and even the the original 60s one, from what I know of it, there's a deliberate, like, sort of masculine, like, bravado to it. I mean, that was the appeal of the Rat Pack. Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, And in this, it's, or in the, in in Ocean's Eleven, the the second version, um, there's a there's like a sort of masculine cheapness to all of it too. Like they're in Vegas, so it's sort of right. like, you know, Vegas is not is is only a certain type of glamour. It's surface glamour, and the the way they sort of his goal there is to get revenge on the guy who's now dating his ex wife who who divorced him after he went to jail. Um, so it's a very different 
like drive. And also there's like the thing they set it around isn't the Met Gala. It's that there's a big boxing match um, that's going to happen. And there's going to be an influx, a sudden influx of money on a certain day. So they have to rob the bank or the, the vault on that single day. Um, but I was really like what I found. One of the things I found most enjoyable about this version is the way that Danny or Danny, Debbie and Lou have to be sort of experts in things that are traditionally feminine, like fashion and pop culture. But it's their expertise in that that allows them to pull off something so so bizarre. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Um, I agree. Yeah, it's it's an interesting. I don't know. It's just an interesting difference to me, and I don't I don't know. Maybe it is because they chose the glamour aspect. I, I, I would be interested to see why it's not a more traditional, I would think, like heist film. Do you know what I mean? Like there's no banking. There's no – it would be something if they were just robbing a diamond, you know, mine or something like that. Right. But this is like we're going to set it around this glamorous event where these celebrities can show up um, and look beautiful. And, like, it's about that. But it's it's the, – the camera's also not, like – it's not leering in any way. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I also, <laughs> I feel like, like Rihanna is the, the, the queen of the Met Ball every year pretty much, right? right? Like even when she's not part of one of the hosts like this year. So there's this, I was hoping they would do it because they do it, there's precedent. Um, in one of the, one of the either 12 or 13 at one point, like I said, um, Tess, the Julia Roberts character, everybody keeps saying, like, you know, you look like Julia Roberts. And then they use the fact that she looks like Julia Roberts because she is Julia Roberts to help them pull off some sort of heist, I think, in, like, at Cannes or something like that. I'm not sure what. And I was kind of hoping hoping that at one point Rihanna's character, when she gets in that phenomenal red dress at one point, would walk by Rihanna, you know, <laughs> but sadly that did not occur, but that's fine. It's, it's, it's a pretty deep cut and sort of ridiculous. I mean, like there's a reason it didn't happen in oceans, the first oceans remake, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, I also really liked, and I want, I want to hear how you feel about this. The, um, the way the film not only has these core eight actresses, but there were so many cameos by other actresses, um, like old and young. And the way that, like, like I'm saying, it's like there's a this film almost expects you to know pop culture and certain things in a way that you didn't have to necessarily in, say, watching um, Ocean's Eleven. Like I like I knew the boxers at the time because I was into boxing, but it what it like you could just know that it was a boxing match. This you almost have to know. Like I mean, everybody knows who Dakota Fanning is. That moment is very funny because we all right. know who Dakota Fanning is. But like Marlo Thomas showing up, uh, or any number of other like the Kardashians walking by in the background at the yeah. Met Ball. Like it's such a specific like female oriented film, and I, I was really like excited to see that in a way that it didn't just feel feel like casting it went from top to bottom yeah oh I definitely agree and I have to say that the the part of the movie where um, Rose which is uh, Helena Bonham Carter's mm-hmm. character uh, meets up with <laughs> Dakota Fanning and she's just so she doesn't know what's going to happen she doesn't know who she's going to meet up with and, um, and Dakota Fanning meets up with her and uh, Rose is just like, oh yes, you, you're very good. I know you, and 
she never specifically says her name, but meanwhile, Dakota Fanning is there playing Dakota Fanning. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just a very great, like, quirky little scene where the audience is like, that's so funny. How do you not know who that is? Right. Well, actually, but, it's interesting. Right right at the scene after that, when um, Anne Hathaway is... is character is is bitching to her assistant about that moment she calls her something that's not dakota fanning oh yeah yeah it's very quick because i was like (laughs) you know i was like wait (laughs) is dakota playing dakota but she was she was not in fact playing dakota fanning um which is actually kind of odd like i I don't know just have her be dakota fanning like she's still it's not she's a big deal it's not like you know i think people would still want to dress dakota fanning (laughs) Like, oh, for sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not like she's she works still. <laughs> like, I would see I, I, if I had to choose a Fanning who's a little more hot right now. It's like L Fanning, who's I feel is like in everything. But still, Dakota is the the initial Fanning we got. Yeah. Um, Everyone knows that name. Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, so uh, let's see. Um, I do have a quick. Um, yeah, please. So there was. So there was an interaction mm-hmm. between uh, between Debbie Ocean and Heidi Klum on the um, <laughs> on the red carpet, and uh, Heidi Klum complimented uh, Debbie Ocean's dress, and I was trying to remember if if there was ever a time that Heidi Klum on the red carpet wore either that dress or a very similar dress to that, because I thought that that would have been a great call out. Oh, I don't but, know. Because she makes it, like, a very big point where she's like, I love your dress. And I was like, I wonder if that was, like, very similar to a dress that she previously wore. Yeah, I, I confess, I don't know. That was an odd moment that I thought was going to turn into, like, a, a plot point later. Do you know? Right. Yeah, definitely. Like, I thought she was, like, stealing something off of Heidi Klum. But it was really just, like, her saying hello to Heidi Klum. You know, it might be to note that she speaks German, you know? Oh, okay. I think that's the first point, because... Later on, if for those who haven't seen it, I don't know why you'd be listening, but anyway, um, the the person that Sandra Bullock's character plays to get into the the event is is some German journalist of some kind, um, and I think that's the first time we hear her speak German, and like I, th- that might just be to tell us that she's undercover in some way. Got it. Yeah, that would be my guess, but who knows. Um, I do find it odd, though. I mean, that is the problem with all of these films, is that, like, when the main person who has a recognizable face to someone they're pulling the grift on, or, like, pulling the job on, is, like, at the event they're going to pull the job at, and then they show up as, as, like, somebody undercover, like, but your face is still visible. I always find that so, like... You have to suspend some disbelief, of course. Um, but I do feel like, and I don't know if uh, you felt this way, but I certainly, and I think it was because possibly Ocean's Eleven has such high stakes in a way, um, that the stakes here felt a little a little low in some ways. Like, I never felt like there was too much danger with the plan ever. Like, at one point... There's a couple moments in Ocean's Eleven where, like, the guy the, who we see later in the film, actually, spoiler alert for everyone, and honestly, going forward, um, there's the little uh, Lee character who like pops out and, and then eventually steals all the other diamonds at the show. Mm-hmm. He breaks his hand right before the 
the big heist in Ocean's Eleven. So, like, there's that, and then there's this ongoing theme where one of the characters seems like he's going to have a heart attack, and, and at first you think, oh, like, when he does have one in, in during the heist, you're like, oh, my God, everything's going to hell. They're screwed. Um, but then it turns out it was part of the plan all along, but the film is just messing with you. Like, the uh, film doesn't mess... This film doesn't mess with you very much. Um, and you never really... Like, there's not enough obstacles thrown in the way, necessarily. Um, to make you think like, oh, they'll never pull it off. I mean, I think the closest they get is, uh, and it's a very funny scene, is the the scene when they're at Cartier trying to get a a 3D map of the necklace before they, so they can make a fake one. Yeah. Yeah. But did you feel that there was, I mean, did you feel tense about it ever? Or how did you feel about like the, the heist getting pulled off? Yeah, no, so I... I had this conversation mm. after the movie with my boyfriend where we were we were discussing how almost because everything was thought out and done so flawlessly mm-hmm. that like there was almost no tension that as the audience we were just watching them flawlessly execute execute this like plan to to steal something and they and they did it spoiler alert they did it, and it <laughs> yeah. was phenomenal um but the one the one little wrench that they attempted to throw in the plan mm-hmm. was was the little magnetic class oh yeah that they had and like it so it was that was like the big thing the big oh my gosh how are we gonna do this but then like within 10 minutes they had figured it out and resolved it yeah and like, it was just like oh well okay <laughs> yeah like rihanna makes a phone call to her little sister and it's and it's totally solved and like I don't know if a child can solve the magnet. Is it that big of a deal? You know, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. No, that's a good call. I mean, and I think there is an appeal to this idea of like women pulling off, like the competency competency of, of a bunch of women pulling off something very well and not being ever worried about it. I mean, it's part of their swagger, all of them, especially like Kate Blanchett's character, the sort of smoothness of that character and like, She's. They're fully confident at all times. They never yes. think they're gonna fuck up because they've been thinking about it for years. And like, again, I think that's. It goes back to that. The thing I was talking about of like, is there this sort of interesting difference when it, when you change gender here of the of the characters that there's the over preparation idea of these of these women and like and all and even during like when the things are being planned some of the, even even though Debbie's been thinking about this for 5 years or whatever there are times when like Helena Bonham Carter's character will bring up something and be like hey what about this and she's like covered it got it it's it's sort of like thrilling to see how well they've got it covered and i guess if i think back on Ocean's 11 there's not that same the, the same thing sort of happens where everything you think is not thought out is totally thought out but this sort of delays doesn't delay that gratification in a way like we never for a second think they're not going to pull this off like right i don't know it's there's something soothing about it and and realistically we all never think they're going to not pull it off but it's it does feel sort of like this is pleasant but like a little airless for me um and i think the one other part they bring in they try to bring in some tension is the james corden character right at the very end um, who I confess did not work for me at all. He felt really, really like his performance felt really big in a performance, and all of those performances are big, but his felt like I don't know off to me in some way. Did did you find his character sort of interesting, or did he work for you? I, I mean, so I thought 
a lot of his lines were like kind of like funny and quippy. Um, it did feel like kind of forced. Um, and to me, so the movie had great pacing and it was very fast paced. And I thought that they did really well with introducing all of the characters that they did introduce uh, within the time span. And then as soon as the heist ended and they introduced um, James Corden, it, the movie slowed down to me tremendously. Mm. Like it, it like that pacing just like fell. And like, no, you're I totally it. right. It stops dead. Right. And like, I get it. Cause it's towards the end of the movie, but there's a solid like 25 minutes of just like them, like trying the investigation, trying to tie in loose ends. And like, it just gets a little like long and like, I don't like, I wasn't in love with his character, but so like in general, I'm not, Overall, just a huge James Corden fan. I'm not a huge fan of his stand-up. Yeah. Um, but, Same. like, I thought his... I thought, like, his lines were, like, kind of quippy and fun. It just... I think I think the movie could have went without it. Yeah. Like, I don't think it needed that whole last section of the movie. <laughs> no, I think you're right. I mean, I, I think it, if they wanted to do it... Because there is a big reveal there. I mean, like, we don't learn about the other necklaces until then. Right. But if they wanted to do it, I would have thought... I don't know. You got a guy. You got to cast a guy who's not as clown. Like part clownishness is part of his thing, you know. Yeah. You got to cast a guy who you can actually believe is gonna. It can outsmart these women because up until this point, we've seen them only as so entire, like completely competent, that it. Right. You'd have to have someone at an equal level, like. I think it's a, I think it's a problem of casting and but and, and you're right the script is fine there but I think it's for mostly for me a problem of casting and also like up until that point we haven't ever seen these women fail except for once maybe with the 3D printing of the of the necklace but again they they figure out a way to get through that very funnily um, but yeah I don't know I think it it's it's a weird it, it feels it makes them it's the one thing in the film that makes it feel like it's 20 minutes too long for sure. Yeah, and you're definitely right because when when he when his character stepped in, there was no part of me like, oh, he's gonna do it. He's gonna pull one over on these on these women who have every single thing planned out. Yeah. Like I like there was no part of me that felt like threatened by that fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so like, I think one of the I also think one of the good parts about that last section though, it, it, like again, it's flawed, but it's it's. There's things that are good about it. Of course. Is the the way that it brings Anne Hathaway into everything. Because it's it's a smart twist on on that character of like you think the entire time that she is she has no concern for everyone, which actually might still be true, but she has no concern for other human beings and she is kind of an idiot. Maybe not an idiot, but but so unconcerned with like other people's issues that like she doesn't have time for it. Like when she loses the necklace, she is profoundly uninterested in the fact that she's just lost like a $130 million necklace. Like when the security guards are like pissing their pants, she's like, is this a big deal? Like, I'm sure it just fell off somewhere. Like she's so unconcerned. It's like phenomenal. Um, But like the, the last part is sort of her being brought into the fold in a way of like, revealing that like no I've I realized this the whole time or not the whole time but you know I I caught on to this way earlier than you thought and like one of her better scenes is when you see her 
um, pretend to seduce Richard Armitage right near the end when she just like slaps him full on the face. <laughs> yeah, um, great. Yeah, and it's like she feels so. She's clearly having so much fun. Like they're all having a lot of fun, but she's clearly having so much fun. And it's it's not a a role you get to see her in a ton, really. I think the last time, well, the only other time I could think of was was as Catwoman in The Dark Knight Rises, which is, again, a much, a very flawed film, but she's, like, possibly the best thing in it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, but, yeah, I, I had so much fun with her in a way that I was just totally not expecting. Yeah, I, so I definitely agree with that. There was a part of me that loved the idea of her being um, unintentionally part of the heist. Mm-hmm. So, like, as this, so she's this character, and, she there's a period of time where she's like no no I don't want to wear the necklace and uh, Helena Bonham Carter has to be like no no but you have the perfect neck for it yeah. and like just her her being like this I don't want to say like this mule that like is is the thing carrying the necklace and is part of this yeah. heist without even knowing it there was something great about that but at the same time I did love bringing her character yeah. into it as well but like the, like something could be separate from for both sides like yeah no I, that's a really fun. good point actually the uh, to, yeah. of her being just sort of this like unsuspecting pawn yeah, in their game and and it, it goes back to the, what i was saying earlier about like the sort of like the knowledge that these women have to have to pull this off of like they have to understand her on a fundamental level and even if they none of them have ever met her they have to know the type of woman she is and what would trigger these emotions in her you know yeah um, which is a very, I don't know, I think that's, like, it's fascinating that, like, so much of this is it hinges on not just, um, like, stealing the right things and tech and all that stuff. It also hinges on, like, how do we get, how do we get Anne Hathaway's character to, to put on the necklace in the first right. place? <laughs> it's, like, there's, there's many layers. Um, but, yeah. No, that's a great point, actually. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Was there... Oh, no, no. That was pretty much it. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, I definitely want to talk about Mindy Kaling's character, because she I, we haven't mentioned her yet um, right. too much. Um, and I like... It's such a weird skill this this that they have her doing. You know, like, I don't know how it'll work in... in, in if they do make an Ocean's 10 or an Ocean's 9... Man, I'm really getting ahead of myself. Um, <laughs> if they made an Ocean's 9, like... How they would? They can't keep stealing diamonds. I would think. I mean, right. I wouldn't mind, but it's it's tough. Um, but I I really enjoyed that character for, like Mindy Kaling got to be fun, but also have so much going on otherwise. Like even though we don't spend as much time with her as say like Debbie, we know that she her mom is is a nightmare to her and is constantly pressuring her to get married. She wants to have her own life, and she eventually, and she's just like looking for someone to be with. Um, and I'll just, but she's also very good at, at, uh, you know, at her job, like great at her job. Um, how did you feel about Mindy? So I loved her character, um, and I'm sure that there were parts of any younger girl who's watching it knowing the pressure of like oh you need to get married Mm. oh you have to do this and it's like I'm just trying to do work Mm. but (laughs) um yeah I I really like like her professionalism like in terms of like she was like the first scene that we see her in we see her doing her job better than anyone else in the room yeah including Um, her mom 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the way I, I was trying to think of how they could, how she could advance in the other films without it being just about jewelry. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if it could be like um, her creating other things, like just being good at craftsmanship. Oh. Because she, cause she was able to create uh, jewelry for the other women so quickly. And she obviously has an eye for, de- like, eye for um, professionalism or... Yeah. Um, I could very easily see her having to replicate something or make something else that needs to be made. But I, to what she has to make, who knows? Yeah, that's actually a good point of, like, Sarah Paulson's character fun- functions in that way, sort of. Because, like, a fence is really someone who's just going to collect the item and then sell it off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, like, how do you... <laughs> you can't really dramatize that, like, right, exactly. d- during the film. So, like, you have to wait a minute. Um, but, like, she... I, I was... I was. It kind of blew my mind watching... Because it was so absurd to me. Like, like her... In, in the movie, her character has to basically go undercover at Vogue and, like, get some sort of job at Vogue in a, what seems like a pretty high position based yeah. on what she gets to do. Like... Very quickly, like I, I, I don't. I was very interested in like what is the timeline on this internship or whatever she's starting. Like this is bonkers. Like how did they? Like that was the heist. That was the trick I wanted to know, most see them pull off in detail because I was like, I tried to get those jobs when I was getting out of college, and I was like unemployable. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like the the crap you have to do to get that kind of job is like. I, I was, it blew my mind. I was like sitting there for like 20 minutes, like while everything was going on being like, but how did Sarah Paulson, who's obviously like an adult, like, why would they hire her in the first place? It's always like 25 year olds in those, in those positions. Yeah. I was, I actually had this conversation too, because I was thinking about that and I was like, it's very possible that, or it was very, it could have been possible that she created a fake resume with fake backgrounds that made it sound like she was a perfect person for this job. Yeah. Because she, they were like, oh, maybe you're overqualified. Yeah. And that was the joke about it. And I was like, okay, well, that could have been a fake resume. But if you think about it, the amount of time that she spent after she got hired to the time of the Met Gala, she was doing that position. Yeah. So, like, she was doing that job. And I was like, what? How does she actually know how to do this job? Like, is that what she does outside of this? Like, how does she know how to do all this work? Yeah, right, because all we see otherwise is that she, like, she is, her children are running around, and she's got a bunch of stolen goods in her garage. Like, that's all yeah. all we know about her otherwise. Like, how does she have the, like, like, I assume that some editorial experience needs to be involved in whatever she was doing. Like, even if, even if they were just hiring someone temporarily for like setting up the event you know right. I could see that but like I, I desperately wanted more information because I was just like <laughs> the whole time I was like they are trusting her with so much like there's that one point where she's like I have a I have a caterer that I could suggest and I was like what <laughs> like yeah. why do they trust you like who are yeah. you I like I wanted so much more background on that like it's such a, sm- a minor detail like realistically but like I don't know. It just it blew my friggin' mind. Also, I don't know if they, because maybe I'm mistaken. And Vogue has moved their offices, but their offices are like on Sixth Avenue and like Forty Second, I think. You know, in the old. Um, but I swear to God, they were filming in my work building that I work in now, like downtown near Wall Street. And I was like, all right, something's off here. Like the whole it, the whole thing was like Vogue Bizarro World. I couldn't trust any of it. <laughs> 
I was just like, none of the location's wrong. The way she's getting hired is wrong. I don't understand. (laughs) It's like, this can't be correct. (laughs) So Vogue apparently has two offices in Manhattan, and one is in the World Trade Center, um, and the other one is in, uh, I don't know this exact address because it's not giving it to me. It's it's probably the Bryant Park one. That's the one I'm thinking of. Um, well, shit, yeah, then that means they definitely, they must be in my building. I got to look for Anna run, running yeah. around sometime. <laughs> I guess that makes sense now that I, I mean, so I, I went, like, my building is very strange because there's a time building next to it. And I've seen, like, uh, Bachelor contestants running around before. Oh, exciting. Yeah, <laughs> thrilling. Um, but, yeah, that's so strange. Okay, so at least that's that's real because I'm telling you, I, I was so confused. I was like, I could be standing at a window out there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The whole time. Um, <laughs> so strange. <laughs> um, so we already talked about it a little bit, but what what would you – I mean, you would see an Ocean's 9, I take it, yes? Oh, definitely. Okay. Do you have any concepts for what you think would happen in it? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> it's okay. Um, you don't yeah, have to. And, it's, a, it's a tough question. I honestly don't have many thoughts either. <laughs> I, I do love... Everything about this really struck me the right way, though. Mm. The, like, the, the cast obviously was great, but, like, the Met Gala was, like, something that's so glamorous, and I love, like... I love, like, looking at everyone's fashion and seeing all yeah. the celebrities who go to it, and... It just felt very, like, so close to it. And them stealing, like, these big jewels. And I just loved it. And I'm, I'm curious what, like, what the next step would be. Yeah. But, like, what else they could do if they're going to still go in that glamour direction. Like, what could they possibly do? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I would love it to feel as sort of, like, specifically female as this one did. Do, do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, I was trying to think of stuff recently or late or you know today and i i guess they could do a a, you know a film festival of some kind but like what is there to steal there right um yeah i don't know it's i wouldn't mind actually just like go go into a museum and stealing like art go ahead and do that you know what i mean like that would be fascinating because again they already sort of have that knowledge in a way right um but yeah, I don't know. It would have to be something pop cultural or some sort of like twist on the bling ring where they just go to celebrities' houses and steal stuff. <laughs> that would be a thrill, but also like so, so sort of boring in a way. <laughs> just like them driving around Beverly Hills or like, you know, uh, like L.A. stealing crap. <laughs> their big white van yeah like just like driving around Brentwood and being like I think you know I don't know Jennifer Garner lives here we should stop by (laughs) um but yeah I don't know it's it's tough but I would I'd be I definitely would watch another one because it really doesn't seem like you know it's like the Ocean's Eleven sort of ends with this idea that the person they stole all that money from is kind of like a, a gangster in 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 Las Vegas and and one of the last shots is that he his his like two of his heavies are following Danny Ocean and Tess and, and Brad Pitt home, like, to try to catch them or whatever. But there's clearly, like, no one on on the the girl's tail at the end of this. You know what I mean? Like, James Corden is, like, right. he likes, he clearly likes Debbie and is just like, I'll take the Armitage guy, that's fine. Right. So, 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I would certainly see another one, though. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. And um, actually, I mean, one last thing I I think I'd like to talk about on based on sort of this is what did you think of the script otherwise? Like, I think the dialogue is a lot of fun and the, the way it's set up is mostly pretty fun. But how did you feel about, like, Gary Ross co-wrote this with Olivia Milch and, and he directed it, too? So what did you think of, I mean, the sort of filmmaking aspect of it? So I liked the script a lot. I thought it it was serious when it needed to be, mm. but there was a lot of quippy moments that, that made it fun and feel more human because, like, or more relatable since heists are not something that most of us can relate to. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never even um, go to the Met Gal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that too. Um, but, like, having that normal human quippy interactions or, like, um, so, like, the the uneasiness that, uh, like, Debbie Ocean felt towards Rihanna's character mm. or uh, the, the anxiety that uh, Helena Bonham Carter's character had basically through the whole thing. Yeah. Um, she, with, she's really wonderful. She is. I love her so much yeah. and everything she does. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but I, it was just, I thought the script, the script writing was done very well. Mm. And even, like, the cinematography was done well. The costume designs, their dresses... Each one of their dresses that they wore during the Met Gala was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Uh, the costumes are, are really phenomenal throughout. Like, even when they're just sort of normally out, like, my God, Kate Blanchett's character, Lou has the most fabulous clothing. I mean, it's like, yes. she's, she's like, she's dressed like David Bowie. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, the oh, whole yeah. time, she looks so good. And, it, and it's part of what gives her character such a crazy sense of, like, swagger. Like, she's just yeah. so confident and and there's like again she's playing with masculinity in a way that is really interesting in in that character and her yeah. fashion is totally part of that oh yeah definitely even like um after they showed all of the women in their beautiful uh, dresses she she came out wearing this like sequins uh, yes. like bodysuit oh and my it was god great. what a reveal when she steps out from behind a hot dog cart yeah. i mean could you imagine <laughs> that was phenomenal <laughs> yeah that's a really good moment like it's clearly so ridiculous because like she didn't need it she's already outside she doesn't yeah. have to, like she could just still be in in her like halal cart outfit but like yeah. they were like no we have an opportunity to put Kate Blanchett in a spangly jumpsuit we're gonna do it you know yeah and I appreciate that very yeah, much <laughs> yeah no the costuming is wonderful I mean the whole time I was thinking like each woman is so impeccably dressed and so like it's so expressive of who they are yeah that it was just so it's thrilling to see I mean costuming is usually something you don't think about but like here it was so so well done it was I just thought it was so noticeable yeah definitely yeah there was um one little note that I wanted to touch yeah. on with this movie that uh that I noticed and I I don't know if it's like a super important point to to point out mm. but there there were so many points during the movie and I'm I'm really happy that they did this but there were so many points during the movie where they show the women eating these huge meals like <laughs> yeah. they show like Sandra Bullock digging into a hot dog yep. like this big hot dog and like them chowing down on like this and a lot like big slices of pizza and stuff like that they really didn't shy away from showing the fact that these are real women eating real food right and I I really appreciated that I was <laughs> like yeah like let's let's not make it as if these women don't eat like these these are women who are like really enjoying their New York food <laughs> Totally. I mean, I'll tell I you, that. That, when, when that scene um, early on 
when Debbie first tells Lou about what they're going to do and they're at Veselka, I was screaming because I go to Veselka all the time and like you can only but you can basically only order five pounds of food there. It's it's impossible to eat small. So like she's clearly like halfway through a, um, a, a latke plate. And I was yep. like, that is a delight. And well, and then she, she feeds a bite of it to Kate Blanchard. I was like, this is the best movie ever made. I can't handle yeah. it. <laughs> it's like, this is exactly what I signed up for. I am, this is everything I want. Yes. Um, I think that's actually probably a, a good note to wrap up on. Um, this has been fun. Thank you for uh, to respond for responding and being one of the few, the only women who did. <laughs> so, of yeah, um, yeah. So this was great. Um, go see Ocean's Eight, everyone, if you haven't already. Uh, although, again, I don't know why you're listening. Otherwise, um, once again, I'm Marissa Carpico. I'm the new film editor. I've killed Dan Cohen and buried his body somewhere that is undisclosed. Um, and uh, uh, and I, you can find me on um, on the site. Uh, I'm gonna I, maybe ever once once or twice a week writing movie reviews. I don't do TV anymore because I, it was it almost killed me. Um, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at Marissa Carpico um, and basically everywhere else at that name. I don't hide. Um, and Michelle, where do you you want to plug anything? Sure, sure. Uh, so on the pop break, uh, I'm doing weekly writings for the Bachelorette. Oh, that's you. That's right. Oh my god. That is me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so definitely loving strong, powerful women. Yes. So, uh, I, I definitely recommend uh, watching this season. It's been great so far. We're only two episodes in, but I love it. It's been uh, thrilling. It has been, and, and I really am enjoying it. So uh, that's been one of my spots. Every so often I cover Raw, uh, WWE's Raw. Oh. And, um, yeah, I, I'm all over Instagram and Twitter and Tumblr and Facebook with uh, M. Karachi Designs, uh, at M. Karachi Designs, I I've done t-shirt designs. Uh, I just do artwork. Uh, yeah, check me out. It's awesome. <laughs> One quick thing. The next week, or this week, I guess tomorrow, it looks like they're uh, they're going to be doing their basically their own Ocean's 8 on The Bachelor. They're bringing all the girls back. Isn't that nice? Yeah, yeah. It's pretty <laughs> great. I'm hoping that they try. I know that last week they were actually talking about Ocean's 8 a lot on The Bachelor. Like, they were, like, plugging it a lot. Oh, I didn't even uh, know. I watched it afterwards, so I didn't notice. Yeah, like, the commercials in between were, like, plugging for uh, Ocean's 8, and I was like, this is great. Yeah. Uh, no, that's exactly what you want. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Bye-bye, everyone. Go see Ocean's 8. Yeah, bye, guys. <laughs>